Hi, and welcome to Happiness Through Hardship, the podcast. I'm Karen Sullivan, the founder of Pretty Wellness, a two-time breast cancer survivor thriving with stage four disease, and author of the book, which is a cancer guide and journal for cancer patients and caregivers that shares the same name as this podcast, Happiness Through Hardship. I'm also a girl who wishes on pennies. I try to see the good in everything, even when life is not so great. But sometimes it takes a little more. And this podcast will provide you with what worked well for me, success stories of people that have been through hard times, and simple suggestions that brought hope, resources, and connections. I hope you've been able to catch our recent episodes, including world-renowned integrative physician, Dr. Bach as well as diabetes expert and double transplant recipient, Dr. Karen Heenberger. Now, if you like these episodes, please do me a favor, rate, review, and subscribe. Your efforts truly will help this podcast get noticed and help us inspire more people. And now for this episode, I am so excited to introduce you to Kristen Hewitt, three-time Emmy award-winning TV reporter and producer, founder of Miss Media, and mother of two adorable IVF miracle girls. Kristen shares tools that helped her deal with a decade of infertility and still uses them to this day when she's coping with anxiety or any of life's stressors. She is full of insight and supportive advice. So please grab your favorite drink, get cozy, and let's get started. Welcome to Happiness Through Hardship, the podcast. I am so excited to be here today with Kristen Hewitt, a three-time Emmy award-winning TV reporter and producer who has worked for over two decades in sports. You can see her now on the sidelines of the Miami Heat telecasts. She's also highly acclaimed in the entrepreneurship space, running her own communications agency, Miss Media, a full-service PR, social media, and content creation company. Clearly, she's not only talented, but driven. Now, I met Kristen several years ago, shortly after I started Pretty Wellness. Both of us, having a sports background, we instantly connected talking about the NBA. It was as if we had worked together for years. Because like any work bestie, you talk shop and then life. And that's just what we did. In our next conversations, we jumped all over the place into stories of our pasts, laughing at childhood woes, but also tearing up sharing our vulnerabilities. Not only has she led a high-powered career, she still is always helping others. Whether it's sitting on panels with students or professionals in her spare time, sharing career advice, or giving recommendations on how to grow a social media presence, she's a mentor to so many. And to me, she's really done all of the above. Though some of my favorite times were the earlier days of my on-camera work where she helped me pick out my wardrobe, offered FaceTime makeup tutorials, and gave me TV-ready advice that I still use to this day. Now, on top of all of this, Kristen's favorite role is being a hands-on mom, raising her two miracle IVF girls. Today, she's going to share her IVF journey and some words of wisdom along the way. Thank you so much, Kristen, for being here today. Thank you for having me and thank you for such a glowing introduction. I'm literally tearing up listening to that because I just love you so much and love our friendship and 
and how uh, how much we've been through together. So thank you for that. You made me feel like, wow, I have actually done something in my life. <laughs> oh my goodness, Kristen. You, I mean every word I've said and what's so beautiful. And I've, I've really had a similar but different conversation with, with a number of guests because we meet and we connect online. That's what you do, especially in this entrepreneurial space. You know that. But there aren't many times that you actually form this really close friendship and then meet in person like you and I have met and you and yeah. I have talked about other times when we're traveling when you'd come to New York or when Bob would come to New York for a game maybe you would come along and it's just we, we were really able to take it to a level where I have felt like we're good friends because we've shared so much like background but also we've shared of ourselves and I think that is really what's beautiful in a relationship is when you have the ability to connect with somebody like that. And we were meant to meet, you know, we clearly were meant to meet when we needed to meet and when we both needed each other. So it's a mutually beneficial friendship. I hope you know uh, that I feel the same about you. I I was actually tearing up too when I wrote it because there were so (laughs) many things I wanted to write about. I'm like, where we could even get into this later. Like we had talked about building something that you and I were going to do together, our healthy mom Oh, we're still going to do it. We're not even going to talk about that now because I still think it's going to come to fruition, Um, but but that's for another day. But we've just, we've had a lot of fun. And I think for both of our professional journeys, which again, that's probably a whole nother podcast episode, is that is that we've had a lot of ways that we've grown together personally, but also professionally. But I, so I'm digressing because you and I could, could chit chat and share humorous stories with people for hours. But what we're here today to talk about, which you've been so generous to really share your story is about your journey with IVF. And so I want to hand the mic over to you. If you could tell your story to the listeners about, you know, where it, where it was, where it went. Yeah, so I um <clears throat> I found out once I was married that I had endometriosis. We couldn't get pregnant, right? You know, they make you try to conceive for a year. Um, an exploratory sur- surgery, a laparoscopy revealed I had stage four endo. And by the age of 27, I already had like the egg reserve of a 50-year-old. Um, <clears throat> so we knew having children was going to be challenging. And the interesting part was I was the girl that was afraid of needles. So when I used to have to go get your blood drawn for anyone that's gone through fertility treatment, and I don't know if you ever went through fertility treatment, Karen, but you, on day three, you have to go get your blood drawn. So I was the girl that fainted oh. um, every single yeah. time you had to get a blood draw. So you can imagine that the thought of IVF for someone like me was the end of the world because it's just all about needles. Yeah. Um, so prior to doing IVF, um, my husband and I would do treatment in the summers for five to six years. So just to give you everyone, your listeners, a little perspective. So I've worked in sports broadcasting for 20 years and for the NBA, the Miami heat season, you know, if they go to the finals, you're working till like June, July through the parade when they win the finals. And then the season starts back up again, preseason in September. So you have a very short window and the heat went to the finals, you know, four years in a row. So that, wasn't exactly good for us trying to conceive. Um, so we only really had this short window. And if they didn't make the playoffs, it was awesome because we might lose money on, you know, less broadcast to do, but we'd have from April to September to try to conceive. So I did everything I could um, to try to conceive diet, acupuncture, herbs. Um, 
I tried to do everything, inseminations, Clomid treatments. We tried to do everything, but um, it didn't work, obviously. And so IVF was the next stage. So for me, it wasn't just doing IVF and getting pregnant. It was having to overcome this ginormous fear of needles. And I feel like this was my first step into like almost a spiritual awakening, like a becoming, you know, your journey into self-discovery because to overcome that fear, I had to go through a whole process. Um, I met an acupuncturist. I really started peeling back the layers of the fear and the shame and, you know, what, what was working, what wasn't working for me, what was causing this fear. And I had to get to a point where I could even physically do IVF. So for me, that looks a lot different um, than life is now with kids. Um, back then, I have to preface this. So when I was going through IVF, there was no social media on your cell phone. There was no yeah. social media. Um, there wasn't even a BlackBerry yet. In fact, it wasn't until I was nursing my first baby that my husband said, did you know you could get like a phone and actually read your email on the phone? And I was like, why would anyone want to do that? <laughs> Who would want a phone? Oh, how so life has I, changed. So for me, and one of the things I have to keep in perspective, and when I tell the story, I tell other people to keep in perspective is life was very different 12, 15, uh, you know, or 13 years ago when I did my first IVF cycle. There was no distraction of social media. There was no, you know, you were not scrolling on your phone to check your email. You had to go to a computer. So life was different. So for me, IVF became, okay, this is my goal. I want to have a baby, but I'm in menopause. Like my body has the egg reserve of a 50 year old. So how am I going to get my body healed enough to do an IVF cycle and overcome the fear of needles. So I started reading a lot. I focused on my diet, eating healthy foods that were good for people with my um, condition. Um, I journaled. Um, And at this time, Oprah was really popular and she was doing her book club and she had introduced this guy called Eckhart Tolle. And he had written this book, The New Earth. And it was like, I even wrote a blog on my blog one time called how Oprah got me pregnant because I'm convinced (laughs) if Oprah had not introduced me to Eckhart Tolle, um, I would have never gotten pregnant. So Eckhart Tolle teaches in the book, the new earth, all about being present and, um, being, you know, just okay with not knowing and being okay with acceptance. So while I was going through IVF, I was doing a lot of journaling and a lot of reading. So I was learning about being present I was learning about acceptance. Um, I was learning about what fear is. Fear is an emotion based on our thoughts. And the words we tell ourselves in our head become our our thoughts. Those thoughts become our emotions. So I was learning how to change my negative self-talk, which because I was my worst critic. I was so negative back then. Um, And learning how to change that into positive talk. And this is all prior to doing the IVF cycle. I was doing all this work. And then I was journaling. I was journaling my blood levels every day um, and Oprah was really big on gratitude journals. So I started writing down what I was grateful for every day. Um, and then I took it one step further. If anybody's ever never read this book, I highly recommend Louise Hay's book, You Can Heal Your Life, because Louise Hay was the godmother of positive affirmations. I think that Saturday Night Live skit, what was his name? Stuart something where he would say, I'm smart, I'm handsome, yes. and gosh darn it, people like yes. me. Who is that? I think that, uh, who was that? It was, it was a Dana Carvey who did it, but it was, and gosh darn it. Yeah. People like me a lot. Deep thoughts, deep thoughts with Jack Tandy. That's what it was. Yes. Yes. 
So um, I think it was based on like Louise Hay's affirmation. So as we were preparing IVF, you know, I really worked hard for probably eight months, um, you know, reading, just really doing therapy, um, trying to figure out, you know, why I was so scared and, and overcoming that fear. So I'd finally gotten to the point, which was a really big deal that I was finally able to do IVF. So as we were going through IVF, it's traumatizing on your body. You're doing multiple injections a day. And I didn't stimulate well, like usually you stimulate seven days. I had to stimulate like 10 to 12 days, which means you're stimulating your ovaries to make eggs. And some women make five eggs. Some women make 10 eggs. A lot of women make 20 or 30 eggs. I only made four eggs. Okay. Like, and you have to have four eggs to go to egg retrieval. And thank God with my first cycle, I had four eggs. But as I was going through it, I was journaling the process. So every day I would journal what happened that day. You know, okay, today my FSH was this. Um, I only, you know, I've been stimulating 10 days and I only have two good eggs, but um, we're going to keep stimulating and we're going to keep going. And then I would write what I'm grateful for. I'm grateful for those two eggs and grateful for the nurse Gladys who reminded me that even if I make two eggs, those are going to be my twins. I'm grateful for my husband. I'm grateful for my cat who's sitting on my belly, making it feel better. I'm grateful for the ice that numbs my belly before I give myself the shot. Like I literally went that deep. And then I would write affirmations. My eggs are growing healthy. I am a mother. Um, I deserve to be happy and healthy. I deserve to be a mother. I would literally write these affirmations every single day through the IVF process. And I really journaled through the whole, you know, eight years of what I went through. Um, And I really believe that that was what kept me positive. But it was the Eckhart Tolle book, which had taught me acceptance. And and prior to doing that IVF cycle, Karen, I had made a decision. Um, No matter what happened, I was going to be okay with the outcome, even if it didn't work. Because I knew that even if this cycle didn't work, that wasn't the end of me becoming a mother. We could still foster or we could still adopt. But I knew that I, you know, that I was okay either way. And I also did something, this is before vision boards were a thing, but I went and bought a baby onesie that had little bare feet. And I literally would touch it every morning going through the IVF cycle. And I would visualize my baby being inside this onesie. And I don't know if this is a sports psychology thing or something that I had learned from Pat Riley at the heat. But I just, I was just visualizing it. And again, I didn't have the distractions of social media and all the stuff that we're being inundated with today. I was very focused on myself, on healing. I was just working and healing and taking care of myself, which I think made a huge difference. And in that first cycle, we made four eggs. If only two were the proper size, um, we had two embryos. One died on day five. And on day six, we had a blastocyst. So they inserted my lone embryo and that became our first daughter. So that was Lila. And we named her Lila Hope because we never gave up hope that Uh we would be parents somehow, someday. So that's how we went through our first. Our second is a whole other one because with our second, I only made one embryo, one egg, one embryo, like one egg. I only made one egg after 12 days of stimulation, one egg. And that they called it a Gladys, the same nurse called it our golden egg. Uh And that became our second daughter, Amelia. Oh my God. So I'm very lucky that it worked. I know my poor sister-in-law who's no longer with us did IVF three times and it didn't work all three times. And I'm not saying that because I took care of my body and because I affirmed it and because I visualized it, that that's the reason why it happens. I understand that. 
I'm very lucky, but I really do think that being in that positive frame of mind and journaling and gratitude helped me get to a place of acceptance where no matter what happened, I would be okay with it. I mean, it's such a, be- I have so many different directions I could go and it's such a beautiful story. And I'm tearing up to hear of like Emmy, there was one egg and it became her. And, and, and even with Lila, the, the odds really like you, the girls overcame such odds, which is a beautiful thing, but that does happen to people as you're saying. Now I want to jump back into, you had talked about the distractions of social media and how mm-hmm. you had the ability to be present what do you recommend to people? Because today, obviously, you know, I look at it as a, a double-edged sword in a, in a sense, or no, would it be a double-edged sword? It'd be a one-edged sword because in some ways, social media is a distraction, but in other ways, there's so much support that one can get and meet through being as connected as we are on various platforms. And so what type of advice do you have in terms of navigating the kind of chaos well, that's a great question. And it's a, it's a place I actually find myself in now because, you know, this is what, 12 years later, I'm post-hysterectomy, hot flashing a ton, not feeling better again. And I'm in a place of returning back to those tools. And it's funny that you asked that because a month ago, I literally sat down and I wrote to myself, what is it that you need to help yourself get better now? Because I'm kind of in like a similar situation where I need to overcome something. And for me, it I need to meditate. Meditation grounds me and helps me stay present. Um, So one is using your phone, downloading a meditation app. And like I meditate. So before I do anything, the number one thing most people do when they wake up is they grab their phone, right? They check the time, they check the temperature and they start scrolling and reading social media. And it's the first thing your brain gets in the morning. So for me, I stop that. And the first thing I do is meditate. Like I have my AirPods on my phone next to my bed. I pop them in at 630 and I have to get my mind right before my kids wake up and I need that space. So the first thing I do is meditation. And I actually have deleted social media apps off my phone with the exception of the business um, suite. So I can manage some of our clients, but I've taken Facebook, Twitter, um, and Instagram off my phone for now. So I don't check it all the time because I'm in a place where I'm trying to take care of myself and I know that I can still access it on my computer. But if it's on my phone, I'm going to mindlessly scroll. The second something feels hard and I don't want to feel it, I'm going to just start scrolling. It's just my habit. It's my behavior pattern. So for me, social media, like you said, it is helpful. And back then, I wish there were endometriosis Facebook groups and I wish there were IVF Facebook groups. I was... um. You know, I was going in chat rooms <laughs> back in the day, like when the internet was, you know, right. well, we, the, the world there, wide but, web. Right. Scary. But, there, you know, this is when, you know, there were chat rooms. But I recommend meditation. I recommend limiting social media because so much if you like put your screen time and check how many hours you're on your phone on social media, I guarantee you, you're going to be appalled. Like one day I had three hours, like three hours on social media. That's a lot of time. I could have been going for a walk or reading a book or listening to an inspirational podcast to make me feel better. You know what I mean? That's a lot of time. You also said something that's really interesting, which is, you know, when you don't want to feel something, you then jump in and you look at what's going on 
in other people's worlds or whatever they're creating for their social media, right? And I think that is something that no matter what hardship you're going through, sometimes you don't want to feel the pain. Hey, I totally get that. And to each person, they need to figure out how to heal and how to cope on their own. Like, I'm not here to say, don't find, you know, I want people to find tools that are going to make them feel better. But sometimes you need to feel to be able to get through, right? And band-aiding it is when you're, you know, when you go to social media to get through might be just a band-aid. Well, right. And that's what a lot of us do. I mean, I'm also an emotional eater, right? Like I bake when I feel bad or I grab mindless crackers or cookies or chips because I, it's a comfort. It's a source of comfort. So a lot of us are going through hardships, be it cancer or our own journey or mental illness, you know, mental illness or mental health with anxiety or depression. And if we don't want to feel things, we try to cover it up. We scroll mindlessly on social. We watch TV. We, um, you know, we eat. We we do whatever it is that we do. Um, but one of the other tools that I uh, that I talked about during IVF was journaling, and that's something I do now too. So once I'm done meditating, I journal. And I don't know if you've read. Have you read the book The Artist's Way? Yes, exactly. That's what got. I, I tell tons of people about the importance of that book. But I want you to share your thoughts on it. And her name is Jewel. Is it Jules or Julie Cameron? Is the author. Julie Cameron. Yeah. So Julie Cameron wrote this book called The Artist's Way. And I think that Steven Spielberg does this book every year. You don't have to be a movie producer or a writer or an artist to read it, but it's really interesting and in rediscovering your inner artist, but not even your artist. It's just about, it helps you find and, and become the best version of you. And one of the things that she recommends is doing morning pages. And it's where you wake up and you just, before you get out of bed, you have a notebook next to your bed and you freehand three pages of how you're feeling. And it could be three pages of, I don't want to write this. I don't want to do this. This is dumb. It could be doing your list. I end up writing blog posts in mine that they just flow out of me and I don't know where it came from. Or sometimes I use it as a dear diary. Like I'm really mad at my husband because he won't let me buy a $70 raft that I know my kids are going to pop in five minutes. Like I can just vent. But a lot of us have so many emotions pent up inside. And I believe journaling is just a lost art. Now, when I was going through IVF, I journaled at night and I essentially was doing morning pages at night. Every night I would write everything that happened. I would get all those emotions out of me. I would write what I was grateful for. I would write my affirmations and it really calmed me down for sleep. But I really love morning pages because I can get up and if I'm feeling anxious, because a lot of times, you know, now that I'm post hysterectomy, you know, once I had my kids and, and I have a lot of anxiety and sometimes it's fine. And sometimes I wake up and I have really bad anxiety, but I'll find if I meditate and then I do those morning pages, I get all those thoughts out onto paper of what was making me anxious. And I find that that medita- uh, the, between the meditation and the morning pages that my anxiety dissolves and it, it just centers you and it just makes me feel better. So these are kind of some of my tools in the toolbox. Like when I know I'm not feeling good or the anxiety is coming up or I'm feeling pressure at work, I know I need to go back to my basics. I need to be present. I need to meditate. I need to be grateful, write in my gratitude journal, and I need to journal. And that for me really helps center me, bring me back to, to, you know, even where I can be calm and and deal with all the chaos that life is throwing at us, especially since, you know, we're post pandemic now, or we're coming out out of the pandemic. This last year has been hard for everyone. 
Well, and I think a lot of what you're saying is when we started out this conversation, you're talking about your IVF journey and how you found tools. And what's beautiful about it is that you found tools that helped clearly with your IVF journey and the fear of needles and everything that goes along with medical challenges that you may have had as well as others, you know, this could help them with any other medical challenge, but also, I should say, and also, these are now tools that are in your arsenal to use whenever you're just not feeling your best, is that it's something that you're comfortable with. And I love, like, for all of you that are listening right now, I'd love for you to think about, like, I will say that all these tools that Kristen's talking about are things that I think I hesitated to doing all of them at first. But when you just try something, even for a few minutes, and just keep going back a few times, see if it sticks is when you find that there might be something that helps you differently than what you've done before. Now, were you, Kristen, were any of these really foreign to you kind of before Oprah gave you that awakening? I see that. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, I wasn't into mindfulness. Like, I I was, like, career-driven. I mean, and let's be clear, I was on camera And when we were going through IVF, I had just been offered a job to do some national broadcasts for ESPN, which was like my dream. I mean, I always wanted to be Joan London on Good Morning America. Now I'm really aging myself because most people probably don't know who (laughs) Joan London is. I do. I I loved her and Charlie Gibson every morning. Um, But I made a choice, a conscious choice not to take the job at ESPN and to try to have a baby. Like I made a choice. Like that was my choice, but I didn't know anything about mindfulness. I didn't know how much I had to deal with. Like, I didn't know, you know, you just kind of go through life uh, goal oriented. Like I have to be the best at my job. I have to make the most money. I have to have a nice house. I have to have a nice car. And I was just like on cruise control through life prior to this. And I wasn't really living. And then when I went through this process and, and started discovering who I am. I mean, it, it just, it brought me to a whole other level of, oh, life isn't about how much money you have. Life is about enjoying each day and enjoying each moment and seeing the gifts around you. I mean, one of the things I say when I always speak is gratitude helps you fall in love with the life you already have. And I think prior to going through IVF, I wasn't in love with my life. I didn't even know what I had, but going through IVF and realizing how precious life is, it really brought me to a whole different level and a whole new priority set. And now that I'm a mom, my career doesn't even matter. My kids, my family, you know, my life, my hobbies, like that's what's important. Sure, the career is important because it's the money, but I don't live to work anymore. You know what I mean? I just, yes. I I, I think you understand that because you've gone through the same transformation and, and probably you know, this is what you've, you've experienced through your cancer journey. Right. And, and that I think is you and I've had these fires lit underneath us that in some ways I I will speak for myself. I felt like I needed to transform if I wanted, well, Hey, if I wanted to live, let alone live a life that made sense to me. I think for a lot of people out there this year, as I think you touched upon earlier, this year has been very eye-opening for many that right now might still feel a question mark. And what advice would you give to them about finding a life that you love? Yeah, I mean, I think it's just identifying the, the things that you love. 
I mean, there's another book and I'm sorry, I keep talking about books, but no, I, I love, love it. To read. It's tools and, for and, people. Yeah. So there's this book, um, by Greg McKeown or Greg McKeon. I don't know how to say his name, but it's called Essentialism. I read that one too. I love that one. That book like legit made me stop doing all the things because like we all try to do all the things, right? We try to do everything for our kids and everything for our families and everything for everybody else. And then we forget to do for us. But one of the things he recommends is finding like the things that you love to do, right? And making time for the things that you love to do and all the things that you didn't make time for. Those are probably the things that you don't need in your life anymore. And for me, it was being room mom, right? (laughs) I always thought I had to be room mom because having these kids was such a gift and I have to do everything for them because it was like a gift from God and I I need to do everything for them. And I was, I really, I didn't really like being room mom. I was just doing it because I thought I had to. So once I made room for all the things I love to do, you know, working out and meditating and journaling and writing and all my other hobbies and taking care of my kids and spending time with my husband, I realized I don't have time to be room mom or volunteer anymore. That doesn't make me a bad mom. So I always tell people, find what you love, make time for that, really spend time doing it, and then see what doesn't fit. Like when things don't add up, it's time to subtract. So subtract those things from your life. As for the pandemic, I mean, this year has been horrific and people have lost jobs and they've lost loved ones. And I don't even know. I mean, I'm just so grateful I have a job. I, you know, we talked about me being a Miami Heat broadcaster. I worked very minimally for the team this year because there was no sideline reporters. There was no, yeah. I, I wasn't allowed to interview players. So I lost a lot of income. However, I was lucky that I pivoted and ramped up my PR company and was able to replace some of that income. I know not everybody was able to do that. Um, but this year has been hard. And it, may, it has made us all just go back to basics. And I think it's made everyone understand the importance and the gift of life every single day. Well, and on that note, support. I think whether it's, uh, you know, dealing with illness, whether it's dealing with the pandemic and loneliness, whether it's an IVF journey, I believe that support can be huge to help people get through. Will you tell us a little bit about what support has meant to you, whether it was the IVF journey or as a parent dealing with the ups and downs, like here in life and hardship? Yeah. So I am a big fan of therapy. I have a wonderful therapist that I went to before, during and after uh, trying to have kids. And when Mm -hmm. things get tough, I call it going in for my tune up. Even if I'm doing great, I still see her once a month. And when my anxiety starts to rub back up, I go to see her. Uh, therapy for me is a wonderful gift I give myself and insurance doesn't cover it. So I have to pay out of pocket. Um, but I make the space in my budget and I do with less in some areas so I can afford that. I also see sometimes an acupuncturist, um, who is also kind of like a, a spiritual teacher to me. And I try to see her at least twice a year. So you know, some people have, and I have a really good girlfriend who we get make ourselves like we literally put reminders in our phone. So we see each other twice a month. Um, we, we schedule it. And another thing I do that really helps me is I schedule other people. Like I have other friends that I don't get to see as much because of the pandemic, but I literally put in my calendar every week to call someone like a friend, a cousin, a family member. I haven't seen in a while. I, I schedule out the people that I love and I put it in my phone and send a reminder on a Sunday night at like seven o'clock, I put a reminder, call so-and-so, call Aunt Pat, call Amy, 
And I call people once a week. And it's just really helped me just stay close to people that you love in this time when we haven't been able to see the people we love. Well, I I love that because to me, I, I am such a type, like an extrovert. People bring me energy. And so this past year being somewhat isolated or pretty isolated, that connection, that in-person connection was pretty rare. Uh, but like you mentioned, a, a phone call means something to me. Right now, I feel like you and I are on a phone call, right? We're, exactly. Essentially, we are. Exactly. And having this conversation, I feel the connection. And so, but yet on the same note, I'm also cognizant that not everybody, whether it's in my support group or my, my friend group, or my family feels the same way. And so, you know, there are times my grandmother was, um, you know, again, it was a different time. We, we live far away from them. So they, both sets would write me letters and one of them was an artist. And so she would decorate the envelope and she would mail them out to us. And so I really still love, I think because of that, the art of letter writing. And so there, I, this sounds silly, but there are various times during the past year where Kyle, my son, and I would write letters to people because oftentimes you're writing about good things. You know, you're not going to write a letter to someone that says, oh, my hair didn't look good today, or I've got a stomach ache, I don't feel well. Like you're, you're in some ways you're writing a gratitude note, even if you don't yeah. even realize it. And so that was a way that we found, you know, support me and my son and I would write it, we'd write it for others. And it was another way to connect when we were feeling, whether the highs or the lows and the person receiving it, obviously it's a surprise and it makes them feel good. And I think that that can be a beautiful thing about support is sometimes oh, when people are at least that. expecting it. Yeah. My little one just learned cursive this year. So she's been writing in cursive. I told her, her grandmother has the best cursive handwriting I've ever seen. So they've started letter writing and it's so cute. I love that. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just feel like, like we all just went back to basics during the pandemic. Everybody's baking bread, yeah. hanging out at home and playing board games. And I feel like we all needed that. We needed that return to like the simple times. And I'll tell you, I don't know where everybody lives that's listening to this. I live in South Florida, close to Fort Lauderdale, but like the roads, man, they give me stress now. There are so many people out. I liked being home. I liked it when things were quiet. I liked less people in restaurants. Now when I go out, I'm like overwhelmed. I told my therapist, I'm going to need like a month therapy of therapy to just re-inundate myself into crowded society because I don't even know how to be in crowds anymore. Well, it's so overwhelming. I've been, I ran into a friend of mine that she and I take walks together in the neighborhood. And we always talk about how our husbands would get along so well. And, you know, they know each other from the neighborhood, but we, um, but it's always my friend Amy and I walking. So the other night, we're walking our dog, Lucky Me, and my husband, Kevin, and, and she and her husband, Zach, were walking their dogs, and we run into each other, and we kind of start laughing. I guess I didn't see it, although she sent me the video. Uh, Saturday Night Live did a sketch on how people are kind of jumping back into life post-pandemic and how awkward it can be when you walk up and be like, hey, you know, what vaccine did you get? Or, oh, are you, you know, like, what? oh, wait, should we, we shouldn't be talking about that. Or wait, maybe we should, right? Like, right. it's this whole, um, you know, everybody's coming from a different place, period. We know we've all been in it. What's that saying? I always mess up the sayings. Like, we've all been in the waters together, but maybe in a different boat, you know, steering the ship. Right. And so 
because so many of us kept to small groups when you get out and you see larger people together, you know, you know, some, you know, I can say that it's been a stress for me as well, because as much as I do get the energy and love being around people, it's just, you know, you don't know where people are coming from and what their comfort level is and things. And do you talk about it? Do you not talk about it? Do you just jump back into where you were before? It's just so awkward. I mean, and you know what the one thing about social media is that I don't like, like, you're right. Social media is good for connection. And you were saying in letter writing, you write all positive things. But the one thing I like about social media is there's a lot of people that write about the real parts of social media and we can all relate to it. But the downside is we're all sharing our opinions on social media. So I don't want to know like who on the PTA voted for whom, you know what I mean? Like, I don't want to know who's against masks and who's for masks and who's against, like, I just, I don't want to know that stuff. Like I, I miss the simple days when you didn't talk about politics or religion. You know what I mean? Like it, it wasn't on social media for everybody to see everything. So it's kind of like the blessing and the curse of social media. It brings us all together, but it can also divide us. So Uh, it's been a lesson in learning just what to post, what not to post and just what not to read, you know? And that's why I've taken a separation from it. And I really enjoy it not being on my phone right now. Well, I think that I, I I mean, I honor the fact that you're one taking care of yourself. That's important. You know, better than anybody else. And for all those out there, I will also say sometimes we don't know how to take care of ourselves, right? Because whether we're, we're just in a dark place or we're in a funk or we just don't know. And I think that's where I go back to just try something new and different, like some sort of healthy habit, whether it's, I am so, I love that you keep talking about journaling because people sometimes when I used to go, you know, go out and do speaking engagements in person, they'd be like, Oh, I'm not a writer. I'm not a journaler. Uh, it doesn't matter because it could be late at night and you've got things on your mind and it's like a brain dump to take a pen and just write a list of all the things that are on your mind. In essence, it's journaling, but you're not necessarily making a narrative out of it. Like that is one of my favorite tools as well. Like I've actually turned it into writing a letter to a friend of mine that's no longer with us is sometimes I'm, you know, just you know, feeling the feels, I might be upset about something or scared about something. And I just get on my computer and I start writing her and I feel this connection and, and I'm essentially I'm journaling, but I'm just getting it out because I don't want to keep it, you know, pent up inside. But I mean, listen, I love that. I love that. It, 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 helps me, you know, feel this connection. I think that I want to feel too. So, um, but wherever you are, like for those listening out there, wherever you are in life, it's, I believe it's just, taking small steps. I've always said that with pretty wellness, taking small steps to figure out what might help you feel a little healthier, feel a little happier. And, you know, I know you and I, Kristen, both have talked a lot over the course of the last few years about gratitude, about the importance of gratitude. And so with that, I am hoping that you, I know that you have been waiting with bated breath. No, I'm kidding. Um, (laughs) that, That you would love to play the grateful game with me. As we close out the the episode. Of course. Let's do it. Let's do it. So for those of you that are new to me here at Happiness Through Hardship, the podcast, this is something, the grateful game, that my son Kyle and I started a few years ago. I received a gratitude book uh, around the same time where I think, you know, Kristen and I, you were talking a lot about gratitude and the important role that it can play in our health and in our healing. And I think uh, quite honestly, like, I love to see the glass half full. I think I at first thought of it like, well, you know, this is nice. Maybe I'll try it. Well, I'll tell you three and a half years later, 
wait, nine, 10, 11. Yeah. Three and a half years later, I can tell you that it has made a positive mark in our life. Having a simple gratitude practice. Does it cure my cancer? No. Does it change some of the big obstacles I have in my life? No, maybe it doesn't change it, but I can tell you that it surely does shift my energy and it surely does help me like feel a little bit better. And so it's something that I've continued to do because now knowing that Kyle and I are going to talk about gratitude at the end of each day, I'm looking through the day to find things that I can tell him at night. And I know he's doing the same. And so what started out as like a silly little competition with a nine-year-old and his mother has turned into like our present mindful practice of playing the grateful game. So I love that. I'm curious to see how long he'll do it because I have a 12 year old that won't do this anymore with me. So I want to see how long you and Kyle can keep this up because I love that. All right. Well, I, I will keep you posted and I will say for as long as he wants to stay up later, I think that that was part of it too. Oh, is that you know, a good one. He's a night owl and you know, we, we, he, we receive the emails and hear from school like your kids need sleep. We know they have activities, but they need sleep. They need sleep. So we're trying to get him in bed, which by the way, isn't so early but he always wants to stay up later. So um, we'll, we'll circle back on that one. It, it, it really is near and dear to my heart, but it, it really is simple. Like, and you, you, whoever you are can choose to do it the way you want. What Kyle and I do is he gives me a minute. I give him a minute and we come up with the reasons what they are and why they're what we're, what we're grateful for and why. So I'll kick it off Kristen and then I'll toss it to you. So um, first, let me say, and I guess I'll count this as number one, is the overarching, I am incredibly grateful for my health. Living almost eight years with stage four disease, there's a lot that goes with that. And the fact that I'm still here and I still have a good quality of life, that's amazing. And I am incredibly grateful for that. The roof over my head, all those things, my husband, my family. Um, I'm going to bucket that into one because I really try and look for the little things because sometimes you have a hard day and you just need that little thing to make you smile. Um, so I will tell you the, um, what made me smile this morning when I was, when I was on a walk with my dog was the beautiful, huge pink flowers that were just blooming from this tree. They were so pretty. I meant to go take a selfie in front of it, which I didn't, but just seeing it when I walked by made me smile. So I love the flowers. Uh, what, what else am I grateful for? I'm grateful for Whole Foods. I know some people don't like it. I love it. I love that I can get so many creative and yet simple, wholesome foods to from this grocery store that's really close to my house that delivers if I want it to be. It really has been a lifesaver for me and my healthy life journey. And being a Prime member, I'm not, this isn't even an ad. Um, I can get a lot of discounts on that. So let me close out by saying, um, last but not least, I'm going to say I'm grateful for um, all my neighborhood walking buddies because we've been talking about that. I've got a few of them that um, we've shared life so much before the pandemic and we even got to continue through it. Um, um, We live in a wonderful, wonderful neighborhood full of like people. We live on top of each other, but yet you feel like you know each other and you've got each other's back. So um, that would be my three. So I'm going to toss it to you, Kristen. Okay. So I always, when I write my gratitude journal, the first thing I always write is my breath because my sister-in-law who was like a sister to me died on my birthday two years ago from pancreatic cancer unexpectedly. 
So every morning that I wake up with breath in my lungs, that is always the first thing I'm grateful for. Um, it's just having air in my lungs because that's a beautiful thing. Um, I'm grateful for my butterfly garden. My husband thinks I'm crazy. I buy way too much milkweed, but we have an infestation of monarch caterpillars and I have three making chrysalis this morning. And every morning I check them to see what they're doing. Um, and now my husband's going to actually put it in the ground and make me an expanded butterfly garden. So I'm really grateful for our butterfly garden. Um, I'm grateful for coffee. I did my meditation (laughs) this morning, wrote in my journal and had my coffee alone. And that quiet time in the morning is just bliss. That little 30 minute pocket when it's just me and the sunrise and a quiet house is just, uh, it's just, it just fuels me for the day. Um, I'm grateful for my stretchy pants. I'm sitting at my desk in my yoga pants. I get to work from home. What a gift. Um, and I'm grateful for my daughter's teacher because my daughter loves school and she loves to go every day. And she is just so excited every day to go to school because she loves her teacher with purple hair. And I just don't think we say thank you enough to teachers who have gone into the schools and kept keeping teaching yes. our kids. Especially this um, year. Every year. Yeah. Quite frankly, but especially this year. And I'm grateful for you, Karen, for asking me to be on this show and just being, you know, I want to tell all the listeners, if you're still hanging in with us a long time ago, I was struggling with my health post hysterectomy and I had to do a really crazy diet and I was really scared to do it. And Karen said to me, Kristen, what's more important, feeling bad um, and not getting to be, you know, be able to bake and eat cupcakes or feeling really good. Like you have to make the decision to choose your health. And she inspired me to eat a healthier lifestyle and made it easier for me. So thank you for inspiring me to eat healthy and it's okay. You can still have awesome things even if you're not eating cupcakes every day. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. And okay, now I'm tearing up too. So (laughs) thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Kristen. Okay, you won if it matters. And I will always say my mother (laughs) said to me, it doesn't matter if you win or lose. It's how you play the game. But then coming, you know, from a world of sports that we've both worked in, we know that somebody needs to win. Uh, but I think we both won in this, I guess, call it the game of life, as cheesy and silly as that sounds. But wow. I, th- I thank you for exactly. so much. I thank you for being here today. I thank you for you know being on this journey, both the health journey, the professional journey. Uh, from We found a connection early on, and I think we've both... Um, helped each other through a lot of things. I want to thank you for sharing your story. I know you're the one with the microphone. You're the one that's usually asking the questions and not the one who's sharing your story, but you have so much wisdom in so many different areas. I thank you for sharing that. Will you tell everybody how they can follow you and how they can follow up with you? Yeah. So I have a blog. Um, It's my name, kristenhewitt.me. And um, I write a lot on Facebook. So my Facebook page is just my name, Kristen Hewitt TV. Um, And I just, I love to share there. And, uh, you know, we talk parenting, we talk anxiety, we talk infertility, we talk life. So I would love to have everyone there. You have a wonderful community of people that really are um, engaged and and supportive. And so I think, I think, you know, for all you out there, please check her out um, to, to learn more because I think you really will be inspired. And, and that's what this is all about is that I think, you know, this podcast is meant to connect with you guys who are listening to me, to us right now to hopefully help you find something that can bring joy, that can 
that you can be grateful for that can help you put one foot in front of the other no matter what journey you're going on in life. So thank you for joining us today. I hope that you'll come back and go to previous episodes or future episodes um, with us here at Happiness Through Hardship, the podcast. So have a wonderful day, everyone, and bye for now. Thank you so much for joining us today. I want to leave you with a quick thought, but first a request. Please take a minute to rate, review, and subscribe. You leaving a review helps us with our podcast ranking. The higher we are ranked, the more people can discover our show. And tell your friends about us. If you love us, they might too. And now, my parting words. As Kristen and I spoke about in this episode, sometimes when life is tough, trying a new healthy habit, any habit, can help provide a healing step in a better direction. Now, hopefully this episode gave you a few ideas from meditation to journaling, or even just starting out the morning with a few calm minutes to yourself. Now, I'd love to hear something you're considering doing, so please reach out and share with us. Go to at Pretty Wellness on Instagram. I cannot wait to connect and hear from you. So thanks again for joining us today. I am sending you lots of happiness and great health. Bye for now.